Previously on Creek Chat. People disappear in this town. Fucking Bodie, gone. Hashtag find Bodie. Speaking of men in our life, where is Bodie at? Which makes me also think, where the fuck is Bodie? Bodie? Where's Bodie at? Why doesn't Bodie yeah. need dinner? Where the fuck is Bodie? As a multiple time viewer of the show, I have never once been so invested in where Bodie's at. Hashtag find Bodie. And once again, Bodie's nowhere to be seen. Bodie, the father of Betsy's child, uh, is not there. Still don't got Bodie. Can't be friends, dude. Who knows where the fuck he is? He could be dead in a ditch for all anybody knows. He could be in outer space for all we know. He could be in Graham's cellar, chained to the floor. How do they explain where the fuck he's been and why he's back now? There's not even a mention of why he isn't there. Hashtag find Bodie. That's a different show. That's that's Bodie's world. That's a different show on a different channel. It's Bodie's world. Bodie's world. Bodie's world takes place in Boston. Come on down to Bodie's world. Hashtag where's Bodie? Where is Bodie? Maybe an apple Danish is eating. I feel like we're gonna get a little slice of Henry in, in this three pack. You don't be toying with my little hankies heart. Are we gonna get a gay character? A gay character to add to our hero's collection of characters. Except for this will be a more prominent character. It'll be more prominent than Cliff. So man, I'm just like hitting home runs without a care in the world. You were giving me shit when I started talking about Pacey working at the fucking video store. When was I giving you shit about that? I'm going to almost guarantee you you're making this conversation up because I never said that. You find that quote and you send it to me. Oh, you think the video store is going to come back after being gone for an entire season? Uh, uh, uh. You know that's right. I know one thing for certain. We're not going to see Bodie. What do you mean? I wouldn't miss this for the world. You don't have to wait. Because every Monday we are back with a new episode of the show Crew Chat. Here's our host. Welcome to 50 Randy Quaid's Presents Creek Chat. I'm your host, Money, JT, and with me, my favorite guest. Hey, it's me, Chucky B. Um, Yeah, fucking yeah. So we got a lot of things to talk about here this week on Creek Chat, where we're discussing episodes. Well, we're discussing them, but it also might have been disgusting what happened. Episodes 10 through 12, Season 3, Dawson's Creek. First Encounters of the Close Kind, Barefoot Cave Fest, A Weekend in the Country. Before we do anything, before I talk about Chucky B's predictions for this three-pack, before I give you the breakdown of what actually happened in this three-pack, and before we tell you exactly what happened, there's something major that went down in the nearly final moments, in the final scene, the last episode. Uh, Someone came back to us. Someone we've been talking about for a while. Someone who's been off our radar in terms of seeing them. Completely on our radar in terms of looking for them. Chuck, do you want to tell me who came back to Capeside? Hashtag found. Bodie is back. 
And at first, they just kind of talked about him casually. I've got a question. I got a question for you, Chuck. Because when they were talking about him casually, did it give really any insight into where he was at? No, and it really fucking ir- irritated me. When they started fucking just chit-chatting about Bodie, I was like, now you're going to all of a sudden talk about this motherfucker, and he hasn't fucking been around. There's been really no explanation, except for maybe, oh, it costs too much for Bodie to be here. Why don't you get a fucking job, Bodie? Why don't you get a fucking job? Oh, I think before I ask you my second question, I think you might have misinterpreted what was being said there. I think the implication from Bessie is that Bodie is off somewhere making money and to come back, he wouldn't have whatever opportunity he has to make that money. Maybe pure speculation on my part here, obviously, but again, he is a chef. Maybe he, he can't get the money that he need working in Cape side, but he found a job in Boston, right? So he's got to live there because the commute is too expensive. So he's there making the money. He's sending the money back to the family. But here, and this leads into my second question, though, because of that speculation. Did they tell us after he came back, after he appeared and so casually acted like it wasn't a big deal that he was back? Like, oh, why wouldn't I have been here? Did they tell us where he was at, Chuck? Did they explain to us at all why he was gone? Nope. There is no fucking explanation at fucking all. I was fucking livid. I had to pause the show. You had to pause the show? Oh, damn. I walked outside. I thought about just turning it off. I thought about canceling myself from crew chat. i been <laughs> like, fuck this, dude. This show isn't even fucking worth it. They're going to fucking just toy around with people like this, with characters that we're supposed to believe in. Even a side character such as Betsy has herself a side character such as Bodie. But you know what? They bring in another side character into this world in Alexander and this world of Cape Side that we're supposed to fucking care about because of our fucking heroes, Dawson and Joey and fucking Jen and Pacey and now Andy and Fabulous Jack. And it's just in, it's fucking maddening that they're just going to have this character just who's supposed to be a loving um, father to Alexander and he's just fucking gone. No explanation at all. They even go as far to say that Betsy is raising this child on her fucking own. Yeah, they they don't shy away from the fact that Bessie has been doing everything alone with the help of a 16-year-old girl only. And Pacey showing up, and I guess the police auxiliary showing up. But, you know, as far as supporting the family, putting in the work of raising two kids, as she revealed she was 26 here, so she's 10 years older than Joey. She's 26 years old, she's a guardian of her younger sister, who's a real handful, she's got a kid who's, what, one, less than one, and a husband that's, or not even a husband, a boyfriend that's MIA, off supposedly making money. So, let's assume the best case scenario is that he's got a job that pays much higher than he can get in Cape side or else if it's not even if it is if it, it has to be not even comparable because then why wouldn't he just be in Cape side with his family um if he could get something that's even close to what he's making elsewhere let's say in hypothetical boston because it can't be fucking boston because boston's too fucking close 
It can't be New York because that's only a four-hour fucking ride away or something that we know of or, or a little fucking boat right away. And if, if, if you can't take four hours out of your fucking day to see your fucking family, Bodie, get the fuck out of my fucking show. <laughs> All right. I am spending three hours a week watching this and putting the work in to talk about it on a podcast. And you're not even going to give me a fucking explanation to a fucking character. You put more work into Abby, someone I give two fucking shits about, and fucking then you do this character who has an impact on multiple characters that we are supposed to care about. Let me just make a little point here. They introduced Abby to be a big deal and an influential character on the outcome of the show and our heroes. Bodhi was never introduced to be that kind of a character. Ever. I understand. But you know what? The way that I am watching this show, it's apparent that they don't know what the fuck they're doing when it comes to writing about... If you're not if you're not going to fucking do anything with character, don't fucking introduce him. I'm much better off with Betsy just being a single fucking parent who... They we just don't meet, but the, we don't. The father. We don't know about the realistic reasons why they didn't pursue that character. There may have been like real life business if or there, creative if there reasons. Are real why. life things, real life issues. Get another actor. Let, not with the actor, just with the character and its use and need in the show to begin with. Because as we've seen, he's not a necessary character. He doesn't no, need to be yeah. there. But hold on. Before we go any further down deriding them not using Bodhi, because we'll be back to this. We're going to jump back to this topic, not even necessarily this episode. I know it'll come up again. Let's let's jump off of that. And let's bring up one of my... I was ready to fucking get off i was ready to be done and right off dawson's creek i came to my senses because i watched this yesterday and had we recorded yesterday i might have just been like fuck this show all right listen i'm glad that you didn't because outside of that very minor character not getting much of a story and how inconsequential it is there was a lot of really good shit that happened in this three pack to every character that actually does matter and let's talk about what your predictions were for what happened to those characters, starting with episode 10, First Encounters of the Close t- Kind. So you start with what I hope is maybe the last time you'll make this prediction, or maybe I'm just trying to throw you off of it. All right, so Eve is back, and she is fucking close to fucking jam because they are half-sisters, and they don't fucking know it yet, and is their first encounter, potentially. Nope. I don't know if they've encountered each other in the past. I don't know why the fuck she would be back. And I think you really should have just stuck with what you asked yourself at the end of your prediction there. I don't know why the fuck she would be back. And then go, hmm, wrong. But that's fine. It doesn't matter. Do we want to talk about what actually happened on First Encounters of the Close Kind? Because it put us in, of all goddamn places, Chuck, Boston. At a university that they didn't name either. Just a prestigious Boston university that Andy's dad went to. Dawson, Joey, Jack, and Andy spend the weekend at a Boston university. Dawson enters his Witch Island documentary in a student film festival. He encounters another young filmmaker, Nikki Green, who coincidentally turns out to be his principal's daughter. 
Elsewhere on campus, due to a clerical error, Joey's weekend guide is not what she expected. Andy's pursuit for an advanced admissions interview leads her to some inspirational advice from an unlikely source, and Jack takes a risk and explores the local gay community. I wrote cruising for dick. <laughs> He's way too timid for that to be what he was actually doing, but I see your point. The dude who was coming and talking to him at the bar was cruising for dick. Oh, yeah, that guy was <laughs> truly cruising for dick. He, I mean, I guess he wasn't as creepy as he could have been. Uh, he was no Ethan, but he was he was nice enough. But Jack literally ran out of the bar, like in a cartoonish, like "Whoop, I'm gone." Yeah, that was pretty funny. So that was that was a fun episode. Uh, let's talk about what you thought was going to happen in episode eleven, Barefoot at Cave Fest. I think you were a little bit closer on this one. Cape Fest, baby! This is just like any other sort of fest, but it's a winter fest. Which, I mean, it's true. That's what it is. They're in winter here. They even say in the next episode it's supposed to be the coldest night of the year. Like, this deep winter in Cape Side. Why would you want to be barefoot in the winter? I don't know. <laughs> is someone going to get cold? No, because it's the goddamn East Coast and it's Cape Side and it's not snowy. Which, I think Jen gets cold when she's got a hard time setting up her tent, but you're mostly right there. No one freezes to death. It's not like if you were caught on the beach in the middle of December in Chicago, say. That wouldn't be good. Uh, But either way, they're going to be on the beach, check, and maybe there's going to be a shark attack? No shark attack. No shark attack. Thankfully, unless you consider Jen approaching Henry a shark attack chuck boom let's talk about what actually happened here dawson experiences an identity crisis when nikki emerges as a filmmaking competitor and joey experiences her own crisis when dawson won't open up to her about the pain of his parents divorce meanwhile jack's first efforts to hit on another guy are rebuffed pacey and andy uncomfortably find themselves sharing the same after school activity and jen finally sees that she may have passed up the chance at something special with henry which she says a lot of big things to henry here henry is still a lovesick sucker though and i think he's too quick to be as accepting as he is i'll even side with that thing but Jen said the right shit here. Well, we'll get into it. Let's talk about you had some you had some more to say about episode 12, a weekend in the country. So, it's a weekend in the country, baby. And you know what? We're going to be doing in the country. We're going to be doing some country singing. I don't think there was any country singing. Um I think that they're going to go to some sort of pasture. <laughs> <laughs> They stayed, they stayed at the, the, the B&B. At some point in the next episode, Pacey and Joey are going to start feeling the effects of true love now. Which we got at the end of this episode. This is one of my favorite things. And this is what ties Grams into me as being a very super important character. Because in that scene, I, I'm going to jump ahead to this. Because Pacey and Joey, like I said, they're my favorite pairing of people here. Grams says that... Like, you know that you truly love someone when you can just sit and watch them as they're sleeping by the fire. And the first thing they cut to after she says that line in real time is to Pacey, right? Later, and this is maybe with 15 minutes left in the episode, somewhere around there, maybe 10. 
there's still a whole conversation about smells, a whole shit that happens. So we get to the end of the episode, and we get to the Dawson's Creek montage they're known for doing. Here's what everyone's doing across the board. And we get to Pacey sitting down by the fire watching Joey sleep. That is on the nose, this show saying Pacey is falling in love with her. Well, because that was, well, no, because that was even like, uh, Pacey goes into the house and he's all like, he's yelling, he's yelling, Potter, Potter, uh, the, the HVAC or whatever furnace guy, the furnace guy can, uh, can come in the morning and then he sees her sleeping on the couch. And then like, I think he pulls up her blanket a little bit more. Well, it was through the montage that they were doing, like, and then he, and then he sits down and watches her. Oh yeah. Sleep. So that's where the show is like, okay, all the speculation, all the commentary, all the uh, sometimes obvious nods you've been making. This is us. This is it. Like we're letting you know this is where this is where Pacey's at. Well, because yeah, because I noticed he was calling her Potter in this episode. Well, he called McPhee McPhee in Barefoot at Cape Fest. Yeah. So like, I it is a term of endearment. I don't think he'd call you that unless he loved you to some capacity, right? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. He calls all girls by their last name eventually, it seems like. If he likes them, at least. Because he, yeah. he didn't call Abby Morgan. Also, no, no. also, that's a last name. It's a first name, last name. So it's weird. Like, now I'm just calling you a different first name. <laughs> I don't know. You also didn't know if they find true love that fast, even though it's the creek and things happen fast on the creek. Maybe we're going to have some readdressing the Eve and Jen relationship. No, we're going to get a little slice of Henry in this three pack. I know one thing for certain. We're not going to see Bodie. So your last two or your last three predictions, Eve and Jen. No, it's a little slice of Henry. Oh, hell yeah. And it's about time. He was gone for what three, four episodes. Yeah, and Bodie came back. A surprise. It felt like a, a surprise return in pro wrestling. Like, just no one knew that they had signed to the company, and they just came through the curtain, and the rumble starts to rise as people notice, and all of a sudden the whole crowd's going crazy because it's, I don't know, Bodie returning. So maybe it's more of a lukewarm response, or in your case, anger. It's like Rocky when he was Rocky Maivia. Dude, I got so bad. I was so fucking angry at this shit, dude. It, All right. It was beyond maddening. I got a breakdown for you for Weekend in the Country before we really dive into this shit. The Creek Gang work together to make sure that the opening of Potter's Bed and Breakfast is a success and that Joey and Bessie don't lose everything that they have after Pacey surprises them with a visit from a prestigious travel critic, Frederick Fricky. Meanwhile, Jen considers her concerns about getting close to Henry. Jack considers moving back home to his own house after hearing Andy's loving plea. I mean, maybe it became a loving plea, but she was being weird about it earlier and just wasn't asking him. One big problem that you have with Joey and I have with Joey too, just say what you mean, goddammit. Also, Dawson tries to understand the connection between his parents after their divorce. You look like you've got something to say. Talk to me about it, Chuck. I know I shouldn't be this angry over this. Oh, no. But it's, I try to rationalize and go, he's not even a secondary character. But it, I, the conscious decisions 
to talk about being a single mother and having to do all of this by yourself. They don't ever call her a single mother, though. That's you boiling down the fact that she's doing it on her own. and you that They never call her a single mother. Okay. There's a distinction there between you being left to take care of the family by yourself and you being actual single mother because if speculation is correct he is sending back money so it's not like there's not another income there helping things out too it never seems like i just don't understand why you don't spend a few minutes here or there just mentioning him bringing up where he's at and what he's doing so we as viewers don't go, where is this guy that's supposed to be her longtime boyfriend that's also the father to her child? And it's like, what the fuck happened there? I I feel like the casual viewer has still been questioning this. He's been gone for a season and a half and a lot of shit has happened. I bet you most people are not really thinking about Bodie because, and let me jump back to one of my favorite refrains from the early days of Creek Chat. It just doesn't matter it doesn't ultimately because they make it work with or without him we live in a day in an age of streaming and instant gratification and get it all right now and i am actively not doing that i am stopping every three episodes and only watching to what we're talking about on the podcast i think honestly at this point and i'm not re- like like this whole fucking thing about me predicting who's gonna be on this fucking uh side series that fucking goes nowhere because guess what it just doesn't fucking matter um, <laughs> I, I could already know i could just google it and find out who who's on this i don't i don't even really remember what the show is called but it's not like i would have a hard time finding out but that's not the point of the game we're playing so but it's please, restraint please don't do that and well, I, no, i'm not going to i know i know um i i think because in the beginning i too kind of felt well, like one and then it ruins it for me too well in the beginning i kind of felt the same way like damn i really would like to just watch like a whole season of this in a weekend and be done be quote unquote done with it or whatever at this point on uh, episode 17 of creek chat i really like the restraint of the three pack because it gives me an opportunity to think about things in the framework of what what just happened here whether or not it was all supposed to flow together or it just happens to flow together or, or whatever the case may be it's easier to kind of like put everything in its own proper context when i didn't just watch 13 hours of tv in a row and i kind of forgot what happened during the first seven well and that's what i'm saying like there's the possibility that because of the fact that I'm watching it, digesting it, writing some notes because it might be a day or two before we even record the podcast. And I have to remember and reference exact things that I want to talk about. Well, let, let's forge ahead. Because not everything strikes a fucking... Right. 
fucking cord with me. Let, let's such as Bodie. Let's let's forge ahead away from Bodie. That fucking piece of shit. We're gonna get dude. back. Dude, hold on. We got two episodes and to talk about. And it's about. really not his problem, I guess. It's the it's it's the fucking writers, directors, executive producers, fucking creators. It's whoever fucking green lights the final fucking project. Fuck you. Okay, let's right. eat a fucking bag of dicks. Let's let's hold on for a second because Bodie's gonna come back up. We got two episodes. We're still Bodie less before we'll get back to it. Let's talk about this trip to Boston. And these were great episodes. Let's talk about this trip to Boston because I think this was a real good trip for everyone. We don't get any. Well, gen- before the trip to Boston, we start back in the bedroom, which has been a rare occurrence in season three. It has been less often. It's the only one in this repack that starts in the bedroom. This one starts and ends in the bedroom. But they, they're talking about, they reveal real quickly, like, what the purpose is. Dawson's entering the documentary into a student film festival, which I don't understand why he would enter this into the film festival instead of the movie he made before that Jen was the star of. Like, I feel like that would have been a more, it's more his style. It just felt weird that he went with this witch documentary or something he would show his peers when it was so against, even though he tried to make it about the love story, he had to know the Blair Witch connection. He had to see it. Nick even immediately points it out, like, oh, another Blair Witch ripoff. That's what everyone's going to think. He had to know that. Maybe he was so caught up and he thought his was different enough that people would see past it, but... I guess that's just 16-year-old naivete right there. And Joey's going for a tour of this college, and she's got a, a student that she's hanging with all weekend named AJ, that she's under the impression is and was supposed to be a woman. Turns out being AJ Muller. So here's, in this episode here, speaking of the spinoff, you got between AJ and Nikki, two more characters that are ripe contenders, and Nikki plays even more to your hard feelings about Principal Green being a top contender, because that's two characters that can go there. So, and that's really just this like episode. I really like this Nikki character, too. I like her a lot, too. It's a good... At one point, I was even like, I was like, man, at this point, you can get the fuck rid of Dawson and just make this Nikki's Creek. And then I was like, nah, I need Dawson's, like, drama. But she has a very important impact on Dawson through the first two episodes that she's in here. Um, so much so that he pulls all his shit off of his walls because he is having an identity crisis for real like she makes him reconsider that film can't be everything you got to have other shit that makes you want to make films which is something he'd never considered he was like i just love spielberg and i want to make movies about movies it's kind of what it felt like at least but his the reaction he gets to his film at this at this thing is not good people are laughing at him the only question he gets in the q a is about where's hot joey at yeah, yeah, I wrote that down. That real, was real uncomfortable for him. Like, real bad. This I wrote down. Where's the Joey chick? Is she here? Because she is hot. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and so afterwards, because he had checked in, he had talked to Nikki beforehand because she was a volunteer at the festival, and she checked him in. That's where she'd made the comment about the movie. After his showing, she runs into him outside. Says that her name is Nikki Green. Like, if if you're thinking, did you realize at that point the connection of the last name between her and the principal? No, I didn't. I didn't. Dude, I'm so bad with names that I'm surprised I heard 
and recognized her name was Nikki. Well, at, during this conversation, after she gives her name, she also reveals that she is not just a volunteer. She actually has something entered in the festival. And she kind of gives Dawson a real honest critique of his work that he does not appreciate at the time. Because he just got laughed at, basically. Uh, so he kind of storms off. But later, after her showing, it's like a rousing success. Everyone there loves it. Like, her movie goes over real well. And they kind of talk after that and leave things on a, a better note. But later they go for the award, who's going to get the best film. And Nikki, as she says later, she wanted to win. And Dawson fully expected her to win. Because this movie, according to him, like changed his life inspired him to be a better filmmaker than he was and realized that he had to reveal more of himself in his films instead of trying to just make someone else's movie but she doesn't win and she is crushed and that's when he's telling her all that stuff like no you're a great filmmaker i learned that i need to do better you just learned that award ceremonies are bullshit yeah yeah because he's all like he's like you did He's like, you inspired me, and that's like, that's what I wanted to get into movies to do to make people laugh and stuff like that. Because he's like, he's like, you really made them laugh, and he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, I wanted to move people, and he's like, I just have to figure out and, you know, well, there was adjust a, to do that there was a guy sitting next to dawson like during the screening that said it's on another level is what i think so like the reaction to it was just super positive including dawson like it put him in a better mood after failing miserably on his own like he saw something that sparked something in him yeah that wasn't spielberg like that's great um now jumping back to joey we get the reveal that it's a dude that's AJ. And, he's, and also a teacher's assistant. Yeah, he's a TA. He's kind of like dismissive of her, of her when he when she first shows up. He's like, alright, go away for two hours. I gotta finish this paper. Then she goes in and sits on sits in on an English class. And he's not supposed to be there, but he walks in and she's like, oh, you're in this class? He's like, not exactly. So he goes up there and he starts doing the TA thing and puts her on the spot by asking her what her favorite book is. And you can tell, just because she's Joey coming from a small town, she's intimidated by being in a room with a bunch of college people. Yeah. and the, But then she flips the script, or, uh, you know, she brings up, like, that her favorite book is Little Woman, and uh, she just relates to the character, and then she doesn't give, like, the whole reason, but that she just likes something about it. And then, you know, he goes on and asks a bunch of other students, and they basically rip the book. And then, oh yeah, they're like it's not a great book just because it's your favorite book. Like yeah. little girl, then, how could you be so stupid? And then they, but but then uh, fucking AJ the TA flips the script, and he brings her to the secret library. Well, this is after this is after she had been like, you were a dickhead to me in there. Like I came here for the college experience, and some of that's supposed to be fun, but you just like gang attacked me in that classroom. So fuck you, dude. Yeah. So he was feeling guilty. He he knew he fucked up. So yeah, he brings her to the secret garden. And then so they're in there, and he's all like, "Dude, check this shit out." And he brings down this like 
fucking old ass book that the writer of Little Women Louisa May wrote, which was like I don't know. He said something like it was originally it was her personal split copy or something. And but it was her personal copy, so like they're just like going through it, and then they start like reading it off to each other. A scene, and, a scene where and like I, a young as boy I was like, and a young girl like meet each other for the first time, or, or they're getting acquainted for the first time, or something. And as I'm watching this and they're reading it, I keep on like just I didn't write anything down about it, but I just kept on saying to myself like out loud, "It's like, dude, she's 16." And he's a TA, so he's got to be at least. I don't know, 20? Probably older. And that's why I'm like, I'm like 16. 16. No, but the show plays it like it's normal. We'll talk about this show's fucking illegal history So with we, promoting pedophilia. <laughs> so we already kind of covered what Jack did here. He's in town to just kind of wander around and check out gay bars. Cruising for dick. <laughs> there was a point where he was getting on a bus or not getting on a bus and the bus driver looks at him and goes are you in or are you out and i was like that's all like oh shit and he's in like i was like come on and then he gets on he sees a gay couple being all friendly with each other on the bus he's like all right maybe this is a good place to be at maybe i'm above i can do this and he ends up panicking like we said nothing there andy is trying to sneak in and get an early meeting with the dean for some reason because she's crazy not able to do yeah, so. Her appointment's not until March. But she ends up bonding with his uh, secretary. They end up going to get coffee together. And she's just spitting worldly advice to her. Like, whether or not you attend this university has no bearing on what kind of person you'll be. Or if you'll have fulfillment in your life. And Andy's just like, damn, I never considered that before. She's like, god damn it. I still miss Pacey. Which becomes evident in the next episode. So that kind of brings everyone to a head at the end of the episode, meeting at the train station. And we've left everyone's, oh, yeah. we left everyone's thread kind of at the point of what happens at the train station. So the train station comes through, right? And I don't know if this was the first one, the second one, the last one. I don't fucking know. But I definitely wrote it down because it was one weird and she's 16. So... The TA's all like, can I phone you sometime? Oh, my God. That's fucking weird. No, I definitely made a point to write that phrase That's down. That's fucking weird. Can I phone you sometime? Yeah, yeah, AJ. And then Joey's just as weird oh, response. Maybe, maybe weirder. It wouldn't suck. It wouldn't suck. Can I phone you sometime? It wouldn't suck. Yeah, this is going to go well. Who the fuck are these people? <laughs> I don't know. So someone my age now wrote this fucking 22 years ago? Dude, get the fuck out of here. Um. So, yeah. Well, Dawson sees this exchange going on. And we'll get to Dawson's little train experience in a Can moment. I fucking phone you. Well, he he, look, he looks out after Joey gets oh. on the train. And he, he gives... I don't even know really how to describe the look that he gives AJ. It's kind of quizzical. It's kind of cautious. It's kind of... It's kind of... Dude, she's 16. That might be part of it, too. Absolutely. 
But Dawson had just learned some information prior to this. This is when he found out that Nikki is Principal Green's daughter. She's doing the divorce daughter shuffle, heading up to Cape Side to stay with Daddy, because Mom had to go to work somewhere else. So, bada boom, bada bing. Chicago. I think it was Chicago. Perfect. Just where, where Mr. Everybody's going to fucking Chicago on this show. It's a great city. Um, but, yeah, bada boom, bada bing, Nikki Green is going to Cape Side High. And Boom, bam, slice. That's going to be real interesting. Um, Andy yeah, doesn't... because she fucking takes hostage of cameras for four weeks when the maximum is one week. Five weeks, because she already had it for the one, and she's got it for four more. Oh, yeah. Oh, five yeah. Weeks. Oh, yeah. No, she's really stretching the limits here. But we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, Andy doesn't do much at the train station besides tell Dawson that she had an unexpected encounter that did wonders for her. And Dawson said, me too. But Jack, now Jack has himself the most interesting of train experiences when our our new character, Ethan, pops into the scene and says, hey, wake me up when we get to Cape Side. Like, oh, wait, hold on a second. God damn, this guy's going to Cape Side too? And they end up even having a conversation about how Ethan's gay. And he knew Jack was gay. It was obvious. He's got that, oh, yeah. that baby newbie in the woods look to him and, and all this. And Jack's like, oh, shit, you're the first gay dude I've ever talked to before. <laughs> and he's like, wait, really? And he's like, yeah, let's count the Internet. And he's like, I don't. No, he doesn't. So, well, let's. this is a perfect time then to jump forward into Barefoot and Cape Yeah, because it could, could be anybody on the fucking Internet. Well, it wasn't. It was Ben Street last time, and it actually was Yeah, ben but I mean, Street. you could be talking to, like, an 87-year-old woman who's straight. I could be talking to an 87-year-old woman who's straight right now, too. I can't tell, even with video. This could be a deep fake, for all I know. I would think that you know me. I don't know I'm anything. A different... Like, you've seen me in person? I've made clear multiple times. So you can times, recognize my voice? No, I've made clear multiple times throughout the history of this show that I don't know anything. So I think it's best if I don't assume that you are who you are. Well, you definitely have it on video. No, you have it on audio recording at one point that we were in person a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I knew that was you then. I don't know this is you now. That's my point. Ah, you could tell it's me. It looks like me. It sounds like me. It's the internet. I can't tell anything. But let's talk about the next episode, Barefoot at Cape Fest. Jack and Ethan. Ethan is going to be Jack's gay Mr. Miyagi, apparently. He's going to teach him how to wax on and wax off properly in the gay in the gay world. Well, he it's it, it's almost like this this angelic figure comes down to hold Jack by the hand and walk him through being gay because he's very he's like, I'm not here to make the moves on you. I'm here to help you become comfortable enough to ask me for my number instead of me asking you for yours. He's not even trying to put the moves on him. Jack was definitely expecting, when they spent the night in the tent together, he was expecting to at least make out with a dude for the first time. He was hoping for it, right? You could see it. That anticipation. He didn't want that conversation to end. Ethan's like, dude, we got 20 bands at the crack of dawn, baby. I got to get some beauty rest because I'm a, I'm a prick. I got to get some sleep, I'm a dude, because pr- I'm, I'm tired. So they go to bed and Jack's a little put off by it, kind of. But in the morning, Ethan's like, no, nah, I didn't do anything because you're not ready to do anything, man. I ain't trying to take advantage of you. I will stick around and be your friend. I'm more yeah, likely. He's like, man, I ain't trying to kiss no 16 year old boy. Well, all right. There's a question we got to ask. How old do we think Ethan is? He's got to be at least 18. If he's, I would say he's at bare minimum eighteen, which leads me to believe I'm gonna cut the, I'm gonna cut it in half and go. He's nineteen. 
right. I would say realistically, right. he's probably like 20. All right, let's go with 19. But, but I was like, he'll probably be, I could settle at 19. So, which means, all right, you got to wait two years now. So that kind of covers. But he he did he did say that he wants to be Jack's friend. But they also like imply but between they each other that he would be interested. Kind of like, yeah, I'm like. D- depending on how this friendship goes, I could be interested in more. Is essentially where it ended. So we've kind of actually summed if, up. If Ethan's smart, he'll be like, ah, well, I mean, I got to wait a couple of seasons. We've seen that that's not a factor on the show. So unfortunately, we're just going to have to deal with whatever they throw at us. We kind of covered that storyline, but there's one more thing I want to talk about regarding those two characters before we move on. It's my own little personal foible. So earlier on, Jack is getting questioned by Ethan about his alternative rock credentials and if he even knows what he's talking about. Which, from what I can tell, this was not an alternative rock festival. It was like a folk festival. So, whatever. Yeah, if we're going to go based on what Henry was doing. So, anyway, he goes, who is your favorite Foo Fighter? And Jack responds, Courtney Love. Which is not a Foo Fighter. And Ethan goes, in the alternative nation, but not the right zip code. Now, I would like to posit that through very close connections that he might actually be in the right zip code. Because Courtney Love, infamously, was the girlfriend of Kurt Cobain, lead singer of Nirvana, and who was the drummer of Nirvana? None other than lead singer and guitarist of Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl. So, there's a very... I mean, I couldn't have told you that. But I'm telling you that. So, I'm saying Jack was obviously wrong, but I would say he might have been in the right zip code. Because of that very close connection between the two. But that's just me being a fucking asshole. So it's not important. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a that's a close enough connection. But let's jump back to what you were talking about earlier, and that's the camera thief, Nikki Green. Because she's using I really like her though. I'd really like this character. I was super excited when in the last episode I was like I literally wrote down, I was like, Man, I really like this Nikki character, but unfortunately she might be a one off. And then the very next scene or something like that, she was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to Cape Side, blah, blah. and I was all like, Fuck yeah. But she gets some more Nikki. She's like the exact kind of person that Dawson needs in his life. Someone with a similar interest to him who is not afraid to give him constructive criticism, but at the same time isn't afraid to receive constructive criticism. This can only help him grow selfishly in his own endeavors as a filmmaker, but ultimately should make both of them better people if they're good to each other, which they seem like, in the two episodes we see here, they're feeling it out, but they definitely like each other enough to want to spend time. It definitely... Seems like Nikki is interested in Dawson. They've got the film connection, but there's also the divorced parents connection, which becomes a big thing in this episode. We we see Dawson almost cry in her bedroom when he starts, because he reveals he doesn't really think about his parents as in, in their situation a whole lot. He just kind of avoids the thought of it, and that's how he survives it. But as soon as she puts the, the magnifying glass on him, and because she's very open about her parents' divorce, that's what her next film is going to be about. Yeah. Um, but he's not. And when he starts thinking about it, and he's saying, like, when you reflect on the fact that you're the product of something that failed, like, it's really kind of disappointing. And that's when he kind of chokes up and he runs out of there because I mean, I guess again, as a 16 year old boy, you don't want to break down crying in front of someone who at this point, despite the antagonism between the two, um, 
I think he potential love interest. I think he generally is interested immediately in that kind of way too. How could he not be? For so many reasons, how could he not be? He's not interested in Joey, right? So that shouldn't matter. Um. Yeah, and it's actually a girl his age. Well, funnily enough, right? So this is appropriate. Dawson has always had appropriate relationships. If we're going to give him credit for anything, let's give him credit for that so far. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, so he ends up at Principal Green's house for dinner on accident. Well, he shows up there to confront oh. Nikki, and Principal Green's like, stay for dinner, and he can't refuse. Can we also talk about how Pacey wasn't in the last episode? No, I think I might have said, or maybe I got cut off. I don't know. Jen and Pacey were not in the last episode. Yeah, I didn't notice that Jen wasn't. But because I actually referenced in my notes, Pacey is back and ready to be the lead in the school play. But what's funny about it is he still doesn't even show up until like 10 or 12 minutes into the episode. So it's even like a delayed return in the next episode. Yeah. Um, but oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap up Dawson here because this is so easy to just do everyone's threads on their own. Um so when he goes over for that dinner, that's when he ends up having that conversation in Nikki's room. And like I brought up earlier with the room, he goes home after freaking out about his parents. He's pulling all the shit off of his walls. Joey comes in and she's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you taking all the shit off your walls? And he's like, because I don't even know who the fuck I am anymore. Like, I, I got to figure it out. And Joey calls him a fucking sellout and says that he's easily controlled by Eve and Nikki. And that he's just he's he's not his own person. Dawson rightfully is like, hold on a second. When did this become all about you? I'm having a fucking crisis. And you're tearing me down. What the fuck, Joey? Yeah, because I, I like wrote down that they had a pretty bad argument. And then like she storms off through the window. And then Dawson finally, he shuts the fucking window. But he fails to fucking lock it. He shuts the window, closes the curtains. But as we find out later, it doesn't stay closed. Because Joey comes back to apologize for what she did earlier and say like if you're not going to talk to me i hope you at least talk to someone which is the right reaction to have uh because he had talked she brought him a gift yeah she brought him a a poster of john lennon's imagine which apparently proves that he used to want to write music back in the day when they used to listen to that hippie music, as Graham's called it which i mean Graham's hating i mean i don't particularly care for john lennon either but yeah wasn't john lennon uh part of some other groups i would love to know what what's the one other group john (laughs) lennon was famous for being in it's easy what's the most obvious answer the beatles you got it really that is correct hey hey, look at me smart music guy it is pretty amazing that you knew john lennon was in the beatles is that real? Yes. No. I still don't found like it's real. I'm, no, I'm being serious. John Lennon was definitely in the Beatles. It should be <laughs> no, obvious. Like, no, especially with the way you're saying it, <laughs> no, I'm like... My point in, with this, the, my point of the sarcastic, sarcastic tone this time is that everyone in the world knows that John Lennon was in the Beatles, so it shouldn't be surprising that you got that right. I was hoping you were going to get it wrong, obviously. It was going to be really funny. I was hoping you were going to guess, like, The Who or something, but none of that matters. Joey and Dawson, together in the bedroom at the end, settled on being friends or something. Yep. Hopefully. Best friends forever. So let's talk about Pacey in this episode, because he does. He comes back. 
And he's going to be the lead in a play so that he can get a C in an English class. Yeah. Just and then deals. he, so it's like him versus Andy in this episode. Like it was kind of Dawson versus Nikki um, well, throughout she, this episode too. Well, Andy comes into the mix when she goes up to the teacher, Mr. Broderick, and goes, I'm going to be the assistant director basically. And he's like, okay. Like she and beats her on the bush for a he, while, but then she gets to it. So like he doesn't show up and to like a, like a, like a summer rehearsal or whatever, and so she's kind of running the show, and then he comes back and like kind of he can like she convinces him that he's like oh yeah you you made the decision that this is how it should go blah, blah, blah. well earlier in the episode we had seen that he was a shit director like he was just yeah. telling Pacey louder and angrier and. Like, there was a point where he was just responding to what he was saying, and Andy's like, that natural thing you just did that right there, where you were joking about the word gesticulating sounding like masturbating. That's what you need to do in the character. And Mr. Rogers like, no, 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 no. Louder and angrier. But when he comes back the next time, and it's the scene that you're talking about, where Andy has taken over, everyone's doing her direction. That's what Mr. Rogers like. It was my louder and angrier that got it. Of course. <laughs> You say Pacey versus Andy, but not really. Only in no, the very well, playful that's what it way like was it at, used to be. Well, that's what it kind of was like at first because she's like when when he first showed up to to do the audition and she's like, you need to quit. And well, we all knew that was like, never going to happen. She knew that was never going to happen. He's like, no, that, you should quit. And when, she's like, no, this is my extra school activity and that's a good callback later in the episode where he says no this is your extra school activity because he's about she's about to walk out on it once like the dickhead director is all like yeah you gotta just take orders bitch oh so a a let's talk about another dickhead teacher not another one that we've already seen before but a brand new all these teachers (laughs) are fucking dickheads awful teacher what is going on do they only hire people who are total fucking pricks who are overdoing their job is that only well mitch i feel like is probably their best teacher substitute teacher he's not fully on the staff that's the problem wow here's another thing i wanted to point out though one of my favorite quotes of the episode it was just dropped so casually witters aren't quitters i just think that's so beautiful so beautiful um but they, they end up like but which is really contradictory of his character because like I think there was like the whole first season or something he was talking about all he was just a quitter and everything. I think he was being sarcastic. It's probably something his dad says it means. Like that'd be my guess. Like that's a true family motto from his dad and Dougie and whatever. Pacey just like, yeah, of course. Huh, winners aren't quitters. He's throwing it in Andy's face as a joke, and I bet she knows that. I mean they dated for long enough. Why wouldn't he quit? He's fucking Pacey Witter. Pacey quitter. <laughs> um but he doesn't, and it's skulls. good. So let's talk about the last thing in this episode that's really important, and that's Jen and Henry. Because they end up running into each other at the beach after what we find out is over a month of not talking to each other. That Jen had so, noticed, but Henry was I, like, what the fuck? I was giving you the cold shoulder, and you didn't even notice that. That hurts. Yeah, I uh, at some point, I wrote down... Because like I wrote down, hey, Henry's back. And then... I also wrote down next was um, Henry's a singer now, too. Wow. A vegetarian, a guitar player, and a singer. 
And okay, and a so in, be- in between those two things that I wrote, I wrote this uh, thought because I had said something audibly out loud. That's usually how that works. Yeah, I, I realized that after I started talking. So I was like, oh, shit. I just said I'm loving Jen throughout this episode. And so I was like, I got to write that down because I notoriously hate the, her character. But I've seen her character grow exponentially throughout this season. Season three, Jen, dude. It's the Jen finally starts to let shit fall into place in ways that feel good. She's not running away because... But she, I, get, I think she handles this really well here. Because when she goes up to Henry and she asks for a burger, he's like real cold with her. Doesn't really want to oh, address yeah. her. And then she's like, I can't I'm, I can't set this 10 up. Um, my gay friend and his gay buddy left me with the 10. And apparently women can't set up tents. So I need you to come bail me out. And Henry's like, oh, fine. I'll do it. I'll, I'll go set up your tent for you, Jen. I mean, that's not what he sounds like. But that feels like what his attitude is. Like, fine, if I have to. But also, like, I'm totally in love with you. So, like, you knew I was going to do it anyway. Ugh. But I'll come with. But then he gets real heated when, like, he's like, you just didn't even... Like I said earlier, you didn't even notice that I was trying to ignore you. And that fucking sucks. Big time. And she's like, yeah, I guess I kind of missed the way that you used to look at me. And he's like, well, I'm sorry. If you miss the way that I looked at you, but I don't miss the way you never looked at me. And that really made her go. And then he walked away and was like, I'm not helping you with the tent. And that's when you see her kind of go, shit, man. Like, because he says he is was let the, on here. He felt like he was let on. Is that the first time or the second time he said some shit to her? It's one of the times. It's mo- All right. I don't know. It doesn't matter. There's a bunch of times where he's basically like, you got to stop fucking with me. Well, there was one time I wrote down. I was like, damn, Henry. Well, he was like, you can't. Uh, Oh, you know what? I think it was right after the because it was after right after I wrote down Henry's a singer, too. Wow. And I was like, because then I wrote in parentheses, I was like, damn, Henry takes some balls to say that to Jen, especially when we know that your character feels like is like in love with yeah yeah that that uh that you never looked at me thing was after we find out that he's singing even though it definitely isn't michael pitt singing Uh, and he also said there he said that you can't keep trying to be my friend and then pushing me away with my feelings for you scare you like you got to get out of my life and let me get the fuck over you or we need to do this damn thing and she ends up coming up to him later and she's like listen you were right. I was wrong. Just because I'm older doesn't mean a fucking goddamn thing. You probably know more about this shit than I do. I've never been in love like that before. I don't know what that feels like. But I want to. And that's when he's like, well, have a cup of coffee then, girl. Pull up a seat. Let's yeah, have a so conversation. I was like, I like your coffee. Uh-uh-uh. Yeah. So it was that easy to sell Henry. She just had to come up and apologize, and he's immediately like, all right, I'm not as hurt as I've acted all up. Well, he's still that hurt, but I'm willing to just immediately be a puppy dog again as soon as you apologize. No, I mean, he kind of played, played it cooler than that, oh, I don't in my think opinion. Oh, I don't think he did. He, he could have uh, waited a little 
while longer, but I think he played it as cool as he could, given the circumstance. And to to his credit, he didn't quote freak out. No, kind of like Dawson did when he learned about uh, Jen's past. In fact, he kind of used it as like like something to make Jen even like him more. Well, let's segue into that happens in Weekend in the Country, the next episode here, and we're ready to get onto that because there is a conversation that, because it brings all of our main characters into the Potter Bed and Breakfast for this critic review weekend on their first open weekend to potentially get in like the New York Times and like really get their name out there and really get the shit going, right? So at one point during that night, Dawson and Jen are outside and they're having a conversation. And it's been a while, I think, since we've seen those two kind of paired off in any significant way so it's nice to see them just being friends right so for some reason uh in the intro i wrote or previous to the intro i wrote down hail satan was there some sort of religious thing? Oh, it was uh-huh. uh, the the okay. That's why I wrote here. No, we'll get to that's the opening. Cool. No, I definitely want to talk about that opening scene. I just want to do this Jen and Dawson scene because it was one of my favorites in the episode, and it, it, it plays into the Jen and Henry thing real well because they're looking at the moon and it's covered in red. It looks real beautiful. And Jen comments on that, and Dawson's like, "Yeah, it's just fucking pollution, man. Like whatever." And Jen's like, man, you've changed. You used to, like, be able to see the magic in a moment like this. Uh, And that's when she asks him, like, so, like, what was it about my past when I told you about it that scared you? And Dawson's like, man, I just didn't know enough about that shit. Like, I was wrong to react the way that I did. And it's then the, the cheesy-ass quote, the only thing more beautiful than Jen Lindley is the reality behind her magic. And this is after he had been talking about, like, he doesn't really see the magic and shit so much anymore because he's seen the reality of life in different ways. I just thought it was a really nice scene that led to the conversation between Henry and, and Jen later where she lays it bare and Henry's like, that's what makes you who you are now, so it's all good. Yeah, and then she's like, she's like, did you just say... No, because, like, he says, he doesn't say it's all good he's like (laughs) no 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 (laughs) he's all like he's like no that's he's like everything that you've already gone through has made you who you are now he's like if anything i should thank you for that and she's like did you just say what i think you said and he's like i don't know but if it's good yes or something like that so we got a green light almost on that yeah, storyline. I, I feel like we are a go. Well, because I'm earlier, predicting in the next three pack, we're going to be a go for Jen and Henry. Well, we're going to hear some episode titles later and we'll see if any of them fit into that notion in some way. But well, I'm going to squeeze he's already, it in. He's already asked her out on a date in this episode. He says he's been doing some work at this fancy restaurant. Oh, the they're going to be going to the seafood well, he was, well, restaurant. Well, he said, like, instead of getting money. I think it's a seafood restaurant. It's called The Bass, and it's on the water. So I'm going to so go, I'll, yeah. I would assume it's a seafood restaurant. Um, He's Go like, to The Bass. He, hey, 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 hey. He's like, I decided not to take money for this job. I took a meal instead and i'd like to ask you on a meal and she's like henry no and he's like yes but i'm not asking you we're just going she's like we've already had this conversation it's got to be consensual he's like yeah but i know how you are and if i let you say no then you will say no and she's like but i'm not going on a date with you 
I didn't say he's anything like, about a he's date. He's like, yeah, who said anything about a date? We're just going to go and, you know, get to know each other a little bit better. And that kind of catches her off guard a bit. And now she's like, oh, okay, now we're playing a little repartee. We got ourselves a little game here. And you can tell she's a little more interested in things because she still, yeah. she ends up saying maybe in the end, basically. That, it, well, yeah, because she, she makes a big deal of him or of her saying, she's like, she's like, hey, Henry, I didn't say yes because he's like visually excited. And he's like, he's like, oh, I know. But you didn't say no. And then and then she's like, but and he's like, You didn't say no. You didn't say no. I'm late for class. Gotta go. You didn't say no. And he like runs away. So let's talk about Dawson and his parents this episode, because Gail and Mitch are becoming a lot more important to episode by episode stories as this is going on. They become more prominent. Yeah. And, and they definitely What's that? I said unfortunately. But, you know, at the very least, they're giving us a fucking story. We know what the fuck's going on with Gail. We know that she can't get a job and that she's being turned down because she's too old or something and people can't relate to her beauty or whatever it is. But you know what? I remember I was actually I don't remember, but I was told this episode by Mitch that, you know, the restaurant game wasn't even his his dream. It was a. it was a uh, it was old girl gals. Because well, Mitch is Mitch is still looking out for Gail, so he threw the grapevine. Yeah, because they're friends. And Dawson has a hard time with that this episode. He says it pisses him off that they're friends. Yeah, but then but then Gail, I think, tells him, he's like, he's like, yeah, we're friends, and he's like, we're such good friends. He's like, that's what's kind of like what makes it difficult knowing that we're better off apart. Right. And it's kind of like, all right, like, that's kind of like the, like, it solidifies to me with Dawson that Dawson should be like, all right, they're obviously going to be in each other's lives just because I'm in their life. And if they were friends and they knew that they couldn't fix this, let's just get out instead of trying to drag it through and fight it and blah, blah, blah. But who knows? We might be getting a reunion between Mail and Gitch, Mitch down the line. Who fucking knows? You never know with this show. Well, what we see here is him give her a card to a, an open space that he saw that would be perfect for her restaurant idea. Maybe it's Tamara's spot again. Maybe Miss Jacobs is coming back trying to move that property. I hope not. <laughs> Keep that bitch out of the fucking. But no, that side. definitely that 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 gives an interesting little like. Okay, is Gail gonna go down that road, or is this gonna be another? Well, Mitch? we see her. We see her checking it out at dusk or dawn or fucking. That's true. Sunset. I don't know. We saw Mitch go somewhere too. We also saw Milch, Mitch build a model of the Kelpie. So like, we've seen a lot of things when it comes to a restaurant. But it's interesting they decide. Lots of restaurant ideas. It's interesting they decide to bring it back in right here. Like Gail can't get news work. Well, let's open up Leary's Fresh Fish. Oh yeah. <sighs> They've even fucking named it. Well, I guess Mitch had a name for the other one. Uh, but so, um, that pretty much that, that leaves us with the Potter's Girls and that whole thing. Well, so, so I know you got some thoughts on that. Well, this is where I'm kind of like. I didn't write down a lot of things. I mean, I wrote down a lot, but I wrote down just thoughts. And let's hear them. I don't know what they necessarily mean outside of like. Let's hear them and let's interpret them. That's what we're going to do here. All right. 
so at one point, and this is after we find out that Pacey's called the B and B writer, um, Double F, Frederick Fricky. Yeah, so Double F for shot for show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they invited him to stay at the Potter B and B and to get some. They got some fake families, right? So. That's when, after that, I wrote down, it's never too late until you're dead in the ground, Dawson. Don't know what the fuck I was referencing there. Hold on. Say that to me again. It's never too late till you're dead in the ground, Dawson. That was me just saying something to Dawson's character. I know Dawson was making a virtual tour of the Potter Bed and Breakfast. Did that have anything to do with death? I don't think so. No, I think because he said something like, it's too late, like... Wasn't it too late? I don't know what was too late. Well, let's let's what's what's the next one? Betsy put her hand on the writer's leg. Maybe I should be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just looked at my own little comment on that, which is Betsy's like, being very Betsy, flirty Betsy with Frederick. Touch Frickie. my leg any day. Well, what was that? Betsy could touch my leg any day. Okay. I wrote that note down. Oh, yeah. No, she was getting flirty with Ricky. They got real. She was, ooh. Joey saw it and was like, uh uh-uh, uh, that's weird. Dude, Double F was like, for shot, for show. Well, that, Joey called her on it later. She's like, yeah, at least I'm not trying to fuck the writer. Oh, I mean, that's not what she said. I'm paraphrasing. And then, and then Betsy's like, Psh, bitch. I won't fuck him. That's what she talks about Bodie, though. Because that's Joey inexplicably in this conversation when they confront each other later. Is like, yeah, but what, why don't you get Bodie home? And that's when Bessie's... You go ahead. Yeah, so I wrote down... I was like, yeah, because... No, like, what you were saying was correct. They brought they bring it up so fucking casually, and that's when Betsy's like, oh, we can't afford for him to stay? That's what I wrote down, because, like, that's what I fucking heard. Hold that's on. what I, I have interpreted. The quote. I have the direct quote. I'll give you the whole conversation here. Joey, I guess I missed the part... Where you begged and pleaded Bodie to stay. So right there, just from that quote, we have Bodie left. It's all we have. All the context we have is Bodie left. Bessie replies, I ask him to come home every chance I get, but he knows we can't afford it. Come home from where? We, they don't tell us. That's the problem. They don't tell us. But that's all we get. Outside of him showing up later in the episode and him just so casually being like, no, it's normal I'm here, right? So, I yeah, my note right here is, so Bodhi left because they couldn't afford for him to stay. What the fuck sort of logic is that? Get a fucking job, Bodhi. Provide for your family, Bodhi. What sort of man are you, Bodie? Apparently, he is providing for his family. I think that's the like I said. I don't know. That's that's the what quote unquote implication. No, because we could just be also implying that he's just fucking gone. But he's not just fucking gone because he comes back and it's normal. It's not even a big deal. You're sorry, but I swear to God, go ahead. Fucking Satan, save me! But if he fucking is not in the next three pack. Oh my fuck! Right. I will fucking shit on this show. But hold on, just as casually as they mentioned him in conversation, they just as casually brought him back into the fold in person, right? There's all this clatter downstairs. 
Joey wakes up, goes down, everyone's making breakfast. Oh, so hold on. There's a couple of things I wrote down before we even No, get to I'm that. just doing this scene. There's a lot of things I wrote down that we haven't touched on yet. I'm just trying to cover Bodie right now cuz now I'm going. Now I've I got Bodie on the head and I'm getting a little worked up, okay? So Joey goes in there. We still don't see Bodie. Everyone is sitting at the breakfast table, served and eating. We still have not seen Bodie. Like Everyone's eating to the point that they're commenting on Frederick Fricky says the pancakes may be the best pancakes in the county. And that's when Joey gets his look on her face like, hold on a second, Betsy. Your fucking well, then pancakes. She takes a bite. Your fucking pancakes suck. And these fucking <laughs> pancakes are really good. What's going on here? First of all, no one else in that room could have made the pancakes. Maybe they could have, but they didn't because Bodie just walks in the room well, holding no, Alexander. they start going... They're like, they're like, they're like, hey, someone's got to thank the chef. And they just start, everybody chef, just starts chanting. Chef, 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 I fucking half expected Chef from South Park to walk out. But no, that would have made more sense no, that than would fucking Bodie. When he comes uh, out. You know, it would have made a lot more sense no. because they turned Chef into a pedophile later in the fucking series. All right, so. Joey says, what are you doing here? She's happier than that, obviously. But he says, what do you mean? I wouldn't miss this for the world. Now, Bodie, I got a fucking question for you. You wouldn't miss this for the world. The opening of the bed and breakfast with a major writer. But what about the entirety of the first year of your child's life that you missed? What about that? Or just Thanksgiving? Anything, all of it, the whole, that's what I'm saying, the whole gamut of that life that happened while he was apparently somewhere else, but he comes back for this. How about when uh, Frank got arrested? (sighs) Yeah, how about when Frank got arrested? That seems like the sort of thing that Bodie would come back for. It's a big fucking deal in this lady's life. But nope, nope, apparently not. No, no, Bodie don't give a fuck. All right, let's go, what what else did you want to talk about? What else you got for me? You want to start out with the Christians at the door? Uh, no, we don't need to start out with those guys. I mean, we all just know there were some uh, fucking people who came by who were trying to preach, and uh, we all threw Satan at them. Joey also tried to push a weekend at the the bed and breakfast on someone calling about long distance service too. So she was real desperate for guests. Oh yeah, but I have a feeling they're gonna be chock full of them soon. But Mitch, he tells Pacey makes you care so much when Pacey's all like, man, I feel like this whole like awful weekend is on me. Cause up until this point, uh, for show for show was like not looking good at the inn, at the bread and breakfast, you know, just was not working out. Furnace was blowing up. Fucking house was freezing cold on the coldest night of the year. Here in good old Cape Side. So what? It had to be getting down to like, what, the low 60s? Dude, I don't know. But Mitch was doing some like good fathering work for Pacey here. I don't know. Like he was doing some good fathering work on Pacey here. Like, Oh, yeah. It was good to see because Dawson doesn't really let him be a good dad at the moment because he's not all that cool with him. But we've seen in the past that Mitch, the last time we really saw it blatantly was in the, the coaching episode. Uh, when they win the big game. And that's been a few episodes back. But we get to see it here with Pacey. He said, Pacey's down and out because everything's been fucking up. And Mitch is like, yeah, but look at everything you did, man. Look at all the work you put into this shit. And it's selfless, too. What did you get out of it? Besides the satisfaction of helping another person. 
Um, and then uh, wrote down that Graham's is uh, capable of starting fires, uh, <laughs> that she's great. Not only capable, she's an expert. She's an expert. There were four men huddled around that fucking hearth. They couldn't get a goddamn fire going. She steps in, rearranges the stack of wood. Bickety-bam, you got yourself a blaze. Joey kind of self-destructs. And uh, the writer, for shot for show, he overhears. And then Joey kind of like doubles down. So she's all like, you know what? You might not like this place, but uh, my dead mom... She'd love it. Freaky loved it, And then man. she's like, you know what? Y'all can go home. I'm going to bed. I'm going to get drunk. And then that's when she wakes up the next morning to the gang just dancing in the kitchen when earlier in the episode she's all like, who fuck dances in the kitchen? And everybody's all like, I know nobody that I know. But then later, they're just dancing it up. Speaking of double F for shot for show and speaking of the heat, he had himself a real cheesy-ass quote at the, d- at the table here that I hope he didn't end up putting in the final thing that he wrote, but maybe that's the shit people are looking for. The heat didn't work last night, but this is one of the warmest places I've stayed, and these pancakes may be the best in the county. Except he said it like way more of a pud than that. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. Then I wrote down some stuff about Bodie that I don't really want to mention again. Oh, you're good? You're good uh, for kinda now? Kind of like this show. Kind of like this show. Dawson's Creek, not Creek Chat. We talk about Bodie all the time. We talk about secondary characters probably more than they deserve to be talked about. But you know what? Who's going to talk about secondary characters? Us. Well, why wouldn't we? What else are we doing here? The main character is what everyone's talking about. Let's talk about what's happening with everybody else. Uh, do you have anything else to say about this episode? Um, Mighty Night Alliance will never die. Oh, no, even though Jack ends up going back home, like, the the appreciation and love that he shows to them for what they did for him and they show to him all the time, like, they will continue to be that tight, mighty alliance even though he's living back at home. For sure. Also, chase your dreams, Gail. Chase your dreams. I think she should. What else is she doing? She's not anchoring a news program. Might as well be slanging some fish. Just like I should be slanging some predictions for the next three pack of hashtag greek chat well let's talk about it episode 13 and it's not a helpful title northern lights i predict that in this episode we are going to finally get the some sort of advancement towards pacey and joey pacey has fully realized his feelings for joey because he watched her sleep and what better than going out to uh, under the stars look at the northern lights? That is a partial prediction for this episode. I would like to think that we are going to see Ethan and Nikki in this episode as well. With um, There's going to be some sort of... So I don't know how it's going to happen, but the majority of the, the Creek gang, uh, kids on the Creek, whatever you want to fucking call them, uh, they're all going to be somehow under the stars, checking out the sky. This is going to be a sky-ish, uh, a sky episode. People are going to be looking at it. Northern lights. I mean, unless for some reason my joke prediction of them all getting high on fucking weed is legit. I doubt it, but 
let's just make it a prediction. Fuck it, right? Uh, are you ready for the next episode? Yeah, let's shoot it. It's episode 14, The Valentine's Day Massacre. Oh, so is this another one of those fucking scary episodes? Well, okay, so we know that we're we're past Christmas now and we're in the new year. So Valentine's Day, we're in February, at least we know that. So we're going to be closing up soon. This is not a prediction for this episode per se, but this is just kind of a reminder for me for later that we're going to be coming up on the end of the year here shortly for the kids on the creek unless they significantly slow down time throughout some of these episode jumps because it seems like some of the episodes they'll jump time significantly and then others it's not so significantly fast but either way keep in mind we are right now only at the halfway point of episodes for this season yeah in terms of creek chat and almost for the actual show so i think we're going to get the first date of Joey and Pacey. Oh, you're accelerating this. You think Joey's going to be on board with it right off the bat. I'm not questioning you. I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm questioning yeah. you. So, yeah, don't don't fucking question me. No, I'm not trying I'm to qu- but I, my my point is this. I'm not trying to question you and then I'm saying you're wrong. I'm trying to plumb the depths of your thought process more than I'm trying to imply you're right or wrong. Yes. So, they're going to go on their first official date because they're going to try it or maybe it's not official maybe it's just a trial date i don't know either way it's gonna they're gonna try it and it's not gonna go right but it's not gonna go so terribly wrong that it dissuades the two of them from starting to feel feelings for each other and they want to pursue it speaking also, of feelings how does dawson feel about that and what's he doing i feel like dawson's gonna be slightly aggravated at first and then he's gonna kind of realize that pacey's been telling him this for like half a season that someone's going to come along and sweep this beautiful woman off her feet he literally said the and majority an, and, of those words. And an age-appropriate one, at that. <laughs> Correct. Which would be good for this show. More age-appropriate relationships. Also, I think that Jen and Henry will go out okay. to the fish place where they're going to So it's a go, fancy dinner. Yeah, the fancy dinner where... Henry's going to take her to the bass and try to get some ass. Well, not really. He's just going to try to, they're just going to try to become better acquainted with each other. Do you think the date goes well or doesn't go well? I actually think that that one's going to go well. Okay. I subscribe to that. Something's got to go right if everything else is going to be a goddamn massacre. Yeah. And that's where I think uh, there's going to be more interesting tension between nikki and dawson throughout uh the three pack i want to say that at some point this season those two are going to test the waters at a relationship i don't know but i feel like that's the vibe i'm getting i don't know if i want to necessarily say it happens in this next three pack or not but um it would make sense i think considering that everybody else is going to be trying to in the group because Jack's got his buddy Ethan that he's chilling with. 
helping him learn the ropes, ropes at being a, a gay guy. So let's talk about what might follow a massacre, and that's episode 15, Crime and Punishment. All right, so off the wall, Crime and Punishment, right? So we're going to see a little insight into Frank in prison, and it's going to be Joey going to see him for, uh, I don't know, Father's Day maybe, maybe his birthday. I don't know. One of those comes kind of close to this time period from like a year ago in season two. Maybe that was season one. I don't fucking remember. It happened somewhere in the timeline of this series prior to this season. What did? Uh, Frank's birthday where Joey goes to see him with Dawson. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so, like, I feel like someone's going to go see him. And instead of Betsy going to see him, who is actually her turn if they switch off years, then uh, Joey will actually go because she needs to fucking unload and be like, you know what? You're not my father anymore. You're nobody to me. You're just a fucking person. I, don't, I hope I never see you again. And that'll be the last we ever see of Frank Potter. So you think we'll get one more appearance of Frank Potter and then he's gone from the Creek universe in, outside yeah. of mentions. I'm also going to say no fucking Bodie the next three packs. All right. Hold on. So you, you were wrong when you were certain that there was going to be no Bodie in the last three pack. You're going to come hard this time, too, and say I'm going to double down and say this show doesn't fucking care. OK, you're going to say there's Bodie's no- fucking gone again or. Maybe they slightly redeem themselves and immediately in the first episode of the next three pack say something like, like have a scene of Bodie and Betsy and Alexander and Joey and how like there's tearful goodbye. And he's like, well, you know, I got to go back to work so we can, you know, keep funding everything and get things going. Or maybe since the bed and breakfast turns into a rousing success, he's able to come back home and be the chef for that. So we nope. Get for some more reason, Bodie. the show hates hates Bodie. The show hates Bodie. They just need to bring in multiple new teenagers, though. All right. Well, you can hear all of our Bodie talk if you go to Fifty Randy Quades. If you go to Apple Podcasts. If you go to Podcast Republic. If you go to well, you can go to the Twitter feed and Facebook and find out about the things you can go listen to at those places. Uh, is there anywhere else you can check us out? Uh, I got this uh, hotline now you can call. Oh, 1-900-CREEK-CHAT. And I'll chat with you about the creek for nine ninety nine a minute. And, uh, yeah, it'll be good. Just ask for Chucky B. I don't know who you're talking for. You can ask for JT money. I probably can, won't. I'm be sorry. There. I'm sorry, dear dear listeners. That we do love. I don't know if we've ever said to the Creek Chat listeners that we love you, but we do. You know, you guys can phone us. Just like Joey, I will never tell. Don't call us. I will never tell don't our listeners us. that I love them. Phone us one nine hundred Creek Chat nine ninety nine a minute. Don't phone. Ask me. for Chucky B or JT money. Never ask for JT money. I'll never be there. If the person answering sounds confused, it's a bit. I, yes, just like everything on this show, it's a bit. <laughs> well, until next time, we, we be, be creaking. creaking.